mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. This message, let's call it my excellent engagement gift to you, will self-destruct in five seconds. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Ethan. So I wanted to do like a I wanted to do a, like a cool spy role on the way up here, but then somebody would have to come help me up, and we'd have to actually use our medical team. So I chose not to do that. Um, I want to welcome you guys. I'm so glad you're here with this, uh, this this morning. As Kevin finally said correctly, I'm so proud of him. Um, I've only been here for seven months. Uh, my name is Clint Edinger. I am the student pastor, and I am so excited to be with you this morning. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. We've been praying for you. Um, and for the rest of you who have been joining us throughout this series, I am excited to wrap this series up with you. It's been an awesome one. I hope you guys have gotten as much out of it as I have as I've been going through this this book, and um, it, it's a book that I've kind of read before in the past, but really diving deep into it, um, it's been life-changing. Um, I've heard amazing things out of our life group, so if you're in a life group, uh, I hope you've been getting some uh, awesome community and some awesome things out of that as well. And uh, so so my mission that Kevin gave me uh, a week ago was uh, to, to do this message, so I'm excited to do that with you this, this week. And like, like Kevin said, we've been on this series, this is our last week in this series, called On Purpose, and we talked about some different things. And last week, we talked about your ministry, right? Um, we talked about what your ministry is, and uh, your ministry is to people that are in the church, right? Your ministry is, is how God forms you to serve people in the church, and so this week, we're going to be talking about mission. We're going to be talking about mission. What is your mission should you choose to accept it? We're going to talk about what that is today and how do we actually go about doing that. Um, and uh, as you came in today, hopefully you got a program. And in that program, there's uh, this little note card in there. It's got the announcements on it on the back, seat, on the back side of it. It's got some fill in the blanks so you can kind of follow along with us today. And as I was getting ready for this message, uh, I started to think about, and I knew that video was going to be playing, and I was wondering about how many of us have been assigned a mission before? How many of us has actually been assigned a mission before? And a, a mission is essentially just a task or a goal that is given to a, a person or a group of people with like a time limit attached to it, really. And uh, and I think we've all kind of experienced this at some point. I mean, I, I even thought about when I was a kid, um, I, I would think I was part of one of the last generations to actually play outside. Uh, I think I kind of ended did that, that there. I mean, you know, we played some video games, but uh, we, we definitely still played outside. And nowadays your missions are mostly on video games. Um, but as a kid, I would, I would go over to my next door neighbor's house and we were good friends with them. And we had some other kids in the neighborhood and we would all get together and we would bring like our best toys, like whatever toy sword or Nerf gun or, you know, uh, Power Rangers toy we had, because that's what was cool when I was growing up. Uh, and we would all get together and we would play some game where we had to defeat all the bad guys and save the world, right? Like we 
we would use each other's yards and run in and out and climb trees and do stuff. And we were like pret- playing pretend and we had this mission that we had to accomplish. Or uh, when you, as you get older and you, you start getting into school, you have the dreaded uh, group project, you know, that where you have to actually work with other people. And uh, you're given this assignment that you have to present with other people and it's got a deadline on it and you have to make something and show that to everyone. Or uh, maybe you see something, a similar scenario where, where you work, where you and a company have a goal and, and they give you something to do like, hey, this is your assignment, this is your mission, and you and this other person have to accomplish this by this date um, or you're fired. Um, so, so uh, you know, maybe you have some per- personal missions. Maybe you're somebody who has some goals like, man, I really want to renovate our kitchen or I really want to get out there and, and do our yard and, and make sure that looks good. And so you have some personal missions or I want to lose 20 pounds in three weeks or whatever. You know, you, you set some personal missions for yourselves. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I am a mission and goal oriented guy. Like having a mission or a goal to achieve drives me. Like that's what helps me the best when I'm at work or even in the gym. Like my gym time, like I have goals that I want to reach by a certain amount of time and it drives me to work hard. I love having something that I can attain and reach. I think it's one of the reasons I enjoyed playing sports so much because um, in sports, it's very like mission and goal oriented. Uh, I think especially about football when I think about that is football like each week you have a goal, like your team is on a mission to win that game that week, right? And then each position player has their own job that they are called to do to help the team do that. And so each play, essentially, you have a mission, like I'm trying to beat the guy across from me, right? And so it's just very like moment to moment, it's mission oriented. And I love that. And we're gonna be talking about mission today. That's what we're gonna be in today. Um, and, and the purpose number five, the, the fifth purpose in this book, the fifth purpose in your life, One of the reasons that you are here on this earth is your mission. Mission is one of the reasons that you are here. You were made for mission. And we've been asking and answering questions of why am I here, like I said, over the past few weeks. And this is the last piece. You know, last week we we started to individualize this. The first few weeks were sort of group, why are people here? And the last couple weeks are more, why am I here? And so last week we talked about your ministry and understanding your shape, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences. God made you uniquely you. One of the reasons you're here is to employ that in the church. And that's your ministry. And that's what we talked about this week, last week. You're here not to just consume, but to contribute, right? And this week, I want you to know that, that not only does, does God want you to have a ministry in the body of Christ... But this week, we're going to talk about how God has a mission for you in the world. And I need you to understand the difference here is last week, your ministry is your service to believers. That's your ministry. And that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about your mission. And your mission is your service to unbelievers. Your ministry is here in the church, and we want you to do that. We want you to be employed here. We want you to find a way to plug in and serve here. But your mission is your service to unbelievers. And if you want to live out your purpose, if you want to be a person who lives with purpose and understands why they're here and lives that out day to day, you have to have both. It's not one or the other. You need both of those. And this mission that I'm talking about is both shared and specific. It's for the body of Christ, for churches everywhere, everyone who calls themselves a believer. It's for them, but it's also individualized to you, this mission. And Jesus started this mission. He started it, and he passed it on when he left. And this mission that everyone who calls themselves a Christian has 
is to introduce people to God. Your mission is to introduce people to God, to let people see who God is and what it looks like to live a life with Jesus, to introduce people to God. And this last purpose is why we say that, that God didn't save you so you could come sit on your butt every Sunday, right? That's kind of a mantra that we have here. God doesn't save you so you can feel comfortable and have a cushy life and come sit down in a place every Sunday and have people talk to you. That's not why God came to save you. As people who follow Jesus and live out purpose, we are called to share and invite. We are called to go. And for some of you guys in here, I know what you're thinking already, this is going to make you super uncomfortable, right? Um, some of you guys are, uh, are naturally um, can just talk to people, right? I have some students like that in our student ministry who are just really good at like forcing other kids to come to church. Like they just drag them there every week. And I'm like, you are amazing. I cannot do that. Um, I am not. Kevin Valentine is kind of wired that way where he has uh, no issues with just going and talking to a person. I am sort of on the other end of the spectrum, right? Um, so some of you guys uh, identify with that where you can just go and talk to people and you're good with it and you're, you're personal like that. And then some of you guys are, are closer on the end where I'm at, where like the idea of going to talk to somebody who is not a really good friend of yours already makes you want to crawl under a rock, right? Some of you guys might identify with that. And, and then when you throw the idea of talking to this person about faith, it, it kind of makes you want to dig a 10-foot hole crawl in that hole and then put the rock on top, right? Like some of you guys are in that camp and I get it. It can be an uncomfortable thing to think about going and talking to somebody and reaching out and introducing people to God. But it's our mission. And I, like I said, I get it. But this, today, we're going to talk about and look at a couple passages that sort of give us insight into our mission, why this is important. And then what I hope is that you walk away with I, why I need to do this, why this is important, and how to do it. How do I live this out day to day? How do I take this idea of mission and make it something that's real in my life? So that's, that's my mission today is to give you guys that. So we're going to start, and, and the first passage I want to look at with you is called the Great Commission. It's a famous passage, well-known, and uh, this really all kind of centers around this, this section of Scripture. This is a, a big idea here, and so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 today, and uh, Jesus is speaking here, and Jesus has already gone through the death and the resurrection, and he's been walking around, walking through walls, people putting hands through his fingers where the wounds were, right? Like, he is well alive, and he, these are his last moments on earth. He is about to ascend to heaven, right? He is about to leave all of his friends behind and say, all right, it's time for me to go. And one of the last command that he gives his disciples, that he gives everybody who's around him following him, this is the last command he gives them. This is Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know uh, what kind of dad you guys kind of grew up with, but my dad was one of those people who on Saturday morning, uh, everybody was awake by 8 a.m., right? Because he was like somebody who couldn't really sit still and he always had something to do. And let me tell you, as a teenager, 
I hated that. I hated it so much. I was like, dude, I just want to sleep in, all right? I know you told me to go to bed last night, but I stayed up until 2 a.m. playing video games while you were sleeping. I need some more rest, right? But it didn't matter. We were up at 8 a.m. He was coming. Now, to his credit, he made breakfast. Like, he would make breakfast, and then he'd wake us all up, and we'd go out, we'd eat breakfast, and there was always a project to do, always. It did not matter what time of year it is. We're either mowing the grass or we're cutting logs up. Like, he just always had some sort of project that we were going to be working on on a Saturday morning, right? And uh, one of his lines that uh, he would say every weekend as we're sitting around the breakfast table finishing up breakfast is he would go, boys, this is me and my brother, he'd go, boys, this is your mission should you choose to accept it, and you will. Right, like <laughs> this is your mission. He would tell us, and he was like, "Should this is your mission? Should you choose to accept it, and you will. There is not an option here, right? Like you have to do this. You don't get the choice, right? And so here's what we're doing today. And, and this this passage is called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. This last command that Jesus says, where he says, "Go and make disciples." Go, do this, make disciples, bring people in, introduce them to God. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. It's not optional. This is part of the reason that you are here on earth. This is part of your purpose as an individual is to introduce other people to God, to go and make disciples. To ignore this mission would be direct disobedience to God. It would be like if my dad said, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it, and you will. And I was like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that, right? Like, I would get in trouble. This is the same sort of thing. This is Jesus saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. Go do it. And on top of that, it is vitally important that we do it. Because here's the thing. In Christ... We have the way to forgiveness. We have the way to peace. We have the way to purpose, to satisfaction, to joy, to hope, and to eternal life. We have so much given to us in Christ. It would be extremely selfish not to share that with other people. How selfish are we to hold back hope and joy and peace to those who need it most? There are people seeking, desperate to find something to live their life for. And we have the answer. It'd be like if you knew the cure to cancer and didn't share it. How selfish. We have something that is of eternal worth and value. We can't keep that to ourselves. People across the world need what we have. There is eternal significance attached to this. And this doesn't mean that God wants you to drop everything you're doing, quit your job, become a missionary, move to Africa, or start a church and become a pastor or a full-time evangelist or anything, which maybe for some of you, who knows, God could be calling you. But, but you don't have to stop and become someone different. And this is where the specific part of this mission comes in. See, see God gives us all this mission, this great commission, But the great thing about it is that he tailors it specifically to you. He knows who you are, what you've been through, what you've experienced, what you're going to do, and he tailors your mission specifically to you. He wants you to do this right where you are. As a student, as a mom, as a teacher, as a manager, as an electrician, wherever you're at, God wants you to do this mission where you are is there are people on this planet that you are perfectly positioned in their life to reach. 
that you have the, the best chance to introduce them to God. And who knows what happens when you leave their life, right? You have an opportunity. You are perfectly positioned in people's lives to reach them. And it's because of your shape, because of your spiritual gifts, because of your heart, because of your personality and experience, because of where you live and and your specific life experiences, because of all of that stuff, you are perfectly positioned in someone's life to reach another person. And the impact you can have will last for eternity. The Super Bowl was, uh, was last week, right? Uh, the Chiefs won. It was an awesome game, one that I'll remember for a while. It was a crazy comeback, right? But if I'm being honest with you, in five, probably five years, most people will not remember who was even in the Super Bowl this year or who won it or the crazy comeback or all the hype surrounding it or the halftime show. Like that will all fade away. Your, your job that you do each week will eventually fade away. What won't fade away and what will matter for eternity is every single soul that you introduce to Jesus. We're talking about something that will last forever. And so how you go about this mission will echo through eternity. And the cool part about this, like I said earlier, is that God caters your mission to you. And we see this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. We're going to read it here. It says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And pay attention here. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. It says to be ready to talk about the hope in who? In your pastor? No. In your neighbors? No. Be ready to talk about the hope that is in you. Your hope. Why do you have any hope? Why would you give up a Sunday morning? Why would you wake up early on a Sunday morning to come to church? You could be at brunch right now sipping mimosas. All right? Why are you here? Why do you go out of your way to help other people? Why do you pray? What has God done in your life? Give a reason for the hope that you have. See, God will use your story, your specific story, to introduce others to Jesus. The, the church word for this, this thing that I'm talking about is testimony. It's a, it's a kind of an old-timey word. You don't hear it a ton anymore. But it's also a legal term, right? Like if you were called uh, to a, um, a trial to give testimony on, on a trial... All they would do is ask for you to, to the best of your ability, recall the events that happened. And you would give your version of whatever thing is they have on trial, right? That's your testimony. It's your story. It's your version. It's your experiences of what happened. And, and in the church, it's, it's really the same. Our testimony for God is similar. It's your testimony is the story of how you have seen God work in your life. That's your testimony. It's not scary. It's not crazy. It's not confusing. It's your story of how you've seen God work in your life. And it's catered to you. Your testimony is unique to you, and that's one of the best parts about it. Nobody else has your story. 
Nobody else has had the exact moments in life line up like they have. Nobody else has seen and heard all the things that you have to make you the person that you are. It is unique to you, and somebody out there needs to hear it. Whether you're somebody who's grown up in church your whole life or you've re- lived a, a rough life and, and God's kind of turned that around, wherever you're at on the spectrum, God needs your story. It's important. And, and I love this because it means that we don't need to have uh, all the answers or be a biblical scholar to, to carry out our mission. Right? A lot of times when we think about introducing others to Jesus, we get a little intimidated. We're like, oh, man, I want to tell that guy. Like, I know we're, we're pretty good friends, and I feel like I could talk to him. Some of our conversations has kind of gone here, but I'm just, if I talk to him and try and get him to church or start talking about Jesus, like, he might ask some questions that I don't have the answer to. He might ask me, you know, well, what, what about the Bible? How, do we, how can we know it's true? Or, or what about this? Or what about this in the Old Testament? Or, or what about this thing? Or how can we do this? He might start asking me some questions that I don't have the answer to. And it can be kind of scary. One of my, one of my favorite um, stories is uh, I had a best friend that I got so close to when I was growing up that uh, his mom became like my second mom, right? Some of you guys might have experienced that growing up, or maybe you have some uh, other people's kids that you're like their second mom, like you might understand that. And so I was over at his house like all the time, and, um, and she is one of my heroes of the faith, right? Her name's Wanda. She's amazing. I love her so much. Even to this day, she's an incredible lady. And, uh, and I was pretty new to Christianity, and we were sitting in her kitchen talking. I can remember it plain as day. And she was telling me, Wanda came up. She grew up in a pretty poor area of Miami, so she came up on a little bit on the rough side of the tracks and uh, was into some scenes that weren't, weren't real good for her. And, but eventually she met Jesus and changed her life around. And so she had some friends that were still kind of in that life and didn't quite understand it. And so they would ask her, oh, you want to go out and party this weekend or you want to go do this? And she's like, no, I don't really do that anymore. You know, I'm a Christian now, like I'm following Jesus. And they would just pepper her with questions. Oh, how could you believe in that? Or what about this? Or, or why this and why that, right? And they would just start trying to like just dismantle her faith and just dismantle Jesus. And she told me this response and it's always stuck in my head. And this is how she would respond to them. Look, I don't know all those things. All I know is this. Jesus loves me, and I love him too, and, and, I, and it's amazing. And that was where the conversation ended, because what are you going to say to that, right? <laughs> like, that personal experience, like, there's no, there's no argument against what you have experienced on a personal level. You don't need to be a Bible scholar, because personal stories are easier to relate to than principles, if you know all the answers, if you are an apologist and, you, and you're a scholar and all this stuff, that's great. And those things are good to know. But there is no substitution for a personal experience because people relate to personal experiences more than they relate to principles. Your story can bypass intellectual defenses because there are a lot of people who won't accept the authority of the Bible. They'll, they'll think, oh, this is just a book written by people, but they'll listen to a humble personal story. sometimes people won't listen when you point them to a verse or whatever, but if you tell them, well, look, this is what I know, man. This is where I was, and this is where I'm at now. People will listen to that, and we can use that to invite people in to experiencing what we're experiencing every week. So I want to do something with you guys this morning. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a student pastor, and in youth ministry, we like to be a little bit more active and not just talk the whole time. Um, so I'm going to do a little object listen with you guys this morning. So I need a volunteer. I need somebody that wants to volunteer for us. All right. Oh, Adam. All right. Come on up, Adam. Come on down. All right, guys. This is 
Thank you, Adam. Adam's going to come down and volunteer for us. So um, as Adam comes up, Adam, I, um, have you ever had Cinnabon before? Have you ever had a Cinnabon? No. You've never had Cinnabon? No. Dude, that's crazy. All right, you're in for a treat this morning. All right, most people in here have had Cinnabon. So Cinnabon is like a, uh, it's a cinnamon roll, and it's huge, and there's tons of gooey goodness in the middle of it, and then they top it with like icing, like a cream cheese icing. It's amazing, right? One of my favorites. But Cinnabon's not always uh, just available. Like there's not really any freestanding Cinnabons, right? Like you usually got to get it in a mall. But what I found is there is a place that sells Cinnabon Bites, right? It's from Taco Bell. And these, they're one of my favorite treats in the entire world. And you guys, I know you're thinking lunch right now. I'm about to get your mouth watering, okay? These Cinnabon Bites are in the middle of it is that cream cheese icing. It's filled with the cream cheese icing. And then the dough is wrapped around it and fried. And then they coat that in cinnamon sugar. And it is amazing. And I love having these things. It, when I'm not counting calories and I'm just cheating and I'm, you know, I got a couple extra bucks in my pocket, I'm getting them every time I pass, okay? Taco Bell has got me for life, all right? I love Cinnabon Bites. They're amazing. They're one of my favorite things ever. Now, Adam, uh, are, you, are you satisfied with the description or would you like to try one? I'd like to try one. You want to try one? Sound pretty good. Okay, you know what? Actually, let's bring one out for you to try. Let's, here we go. We got some here for you right now. Sorry, guys. I know you all were like, dang, I should have volunteered. Oh, my God. Yeah? Describe so, that. So good. So good. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Now, <laughs> he's like, wait, is there more? Yeah. Oh so, <laughs> Explodes in your mouth. Yes. That's, what, that's the best part, man. That's the best part. You got the icing, just boom. Oh, it's so good. It's my favorite. So, is he going to eat the rest of this? Uh, we might have one more for you back there. Okay. Kevin, Kevin Valentine's been scoping in on all morning, man. Um, so, wow. <laughs> so, Adam, would you say that it was better... Did you enjoy it more when I explained what that was or when you experienced it? I think when I experienced it. When you experienced it, right? Yeah, I, so, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think that goes to show that experiencing is way better or, yeah, than explaining, all right? So you guys give Adam a hand. Thank you, Adam. You did a great job. And that's sort of the point, right, that as we, as we get into this, we, we can explain our, our stance and why we believe or why we should believe or all that stuff. But at the end of the day, experiencing is better than explaining. Experiencing is just better. You always want to try the thing. Like somebody can describe their favorite roller coaster to you, but until they go ride it for themselves, there's, you just won't have the thrill or the memory of the thrill. You guys are all going to go to Taco Bell now and get a cinnamon bite when you leave this place, right? Because you want to experience it. And somebody who understood this, when it, come, when it comes to being on mission and introducing people to God, one of the people who understood this in the Bible, his name was Philip. He started to follow Jesus, and he experienced what it was like to be with Christ. And he said, you know what? I know somebody who needs to be around this dude, and it's my buddy Nathan, right? And this is found in John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. And I'm going to read this with you guys. It says this. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathan. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Come and see for yourself. Philip told his friend Nathan, hey, I found the guy. Like we, The guy is here, the, the person we've been looking for all our lives, the Messiah, the one who is going to save us, the one who is going to make everything right. He is here. I found him. I know where he's at. He comes from Nazareth. His name is Jesus. And Nathan's like, 
bro, nobody comes out of Nazareth. Are you kidding me? Like, this, there's no way this is the guy, right? And instead of trying to describe him and explain and, and cast all of Nathan's doubts out, he says, hey, come and see for yourself. Because Philip knew there was just something different about being in the presence of Jesus, about being around him, about hearing him speak. There was something that he just couldn't quite put into words that he knew if his friend Nathan would just come see for himself and experience who Jesus was, that he would change his mind. And so when we start to think through this, we're not just explaining people a, a theological perspective or a religion that is lifeless. When we invite people into a relationship with Jesus, we're doing just that. We're inviting them into an experience, a God who is alive and active and can bless you way more than you ever even thought was possible. And here's the other part of this. Nathan knew nothing about Jesus. He didn't know his reputation. He didn't even believe Philip that he was the guy. He was like, nobody good comes out of Nazareth. Are you kidding me? The place is a dump, right? And, and so... But what, Phil, uh, what Nathan did know is his buddy Philip. That's what he knew. That's all he knew. He didn't know Jesus would change his life. He didn't know any of that stuff. But he knew his friend Philip, and he trusted his friend Philip, right? Because I think we all have a, kind of a couple people in our lives like this. Like, uh, it, you probably know somebody, and they'll probably come to your mind. You don't have to shout their name out. That if they invited you to a concert that you've been waiting to go to forever, and they're like, hey, man, I got some tickets to this thing. Do you want to come with me? You'd be like, mm, you know what? I think I got to wash my hair that night. I just don't think I'm available, right? Because there are certain people that no matter what they invite you to, you don't want to go with them. You don't like being around them, right? They're not your favorites. And then you have people in your life where they're like, hey, uh, this house just got painted and I want to go watch the paint dry. Do you want to come with me? Then you'd be like, oh, I'm all in. Like, let's go watch this paint dry. This is going to be so much fun, right? Because you have some people in your life that no matter what they invite you to, you're going to go because you just love hanging out with them and you love being around them and you trust them, right? Philip was that guy for Nathan. Philip was somebody worth saying yes to. Philip was somebody that Nathan knew he could trust and somebody he wanted to say yes to an invite. And as we continue to use our story and invite people into experience uh, the God that we are experiencing, Jesus will use that. He will use our experiences. He'll use uh, our invitations. And he'll begin to use our shape to impact the world, to, to make something bigger than ourselves. Because our, our mission does not stop at our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers in Orlando. Like, it doesn't stop just here. God is a global God. We are called to bring Jesus to the ends of the earth, as is written in Scripture. God cares about every people from every nation and every tongue. And as we continue to, to live out our purpose, God will ignite passions in you and maybe even put a certain area of the world on your heart. We have mission partners here at this church that we are very passionate about. There are some crazy people that ran a really long distance for Hope Water recently, right? God bless you guys. Um, I high-fived you as you ran by, but that's about all you're going to get from me. Um, <laughs> 
But God put a passion on their heart because through Hope Water, they were able to bring clean, drinkable water to tribes in Africa where they didn't have access to it before. Literally saving lives and changing cities, right? Changing towns and tribes. We have uh, this thing that Kevin talked about earlier, feeding children everywhere, where we're going to pack food and send it to hungry people in Haiti so that we can be Jesus to a people who are hungry and we can fill their physical needs so that they can begin to think about their spiritual needs as well. We support missionaries in Nepal who help rescue people from sex slavery, which is an incredibly awful thing that continues to happen to this day, Right? As we live out our mission to the people around us and we begin to allow God to use us, he will ignite passions and fires in our hearts that we didn't realize were there. He will burden us for the people around the world because God is a global God. And to support those partners, we're going to take up our offering. Um, (laughs) We're going to call our ushers down right now. Um, And as they come down, I just want to let you know, if this is your first time with us, if this is your first time in our service, um, we want you to feel free to let this offering pass you by, all right? This service is our gift to you. We don't want you to feel pressured to give in any way, shape, or form. If you are somebody who calls Kensington home, I just want to thank you for your continued partnership. Um, It's with because of you guys that we can support all these different missions and we can do some of the stuff that we do in the areas of Winter Garden and we're really excited about the difference that we can make around us and so thank you for partnering us in these endeavors and uh, thank you for being that uh, person for us. So we know this is important. Our mission is to introduce people to God and it is important. It has eternal significance. We need to do it. God wants to use us. He wants to use our testimony. He wants to use our experiences and he wants us to invite people in. But how do we do that? How do we even go about that? Because I don't want to go and just talk to some uh, clerk at a grocery store and make it an awkward moment where I'm like, hey, do you know Jesus as I'm paying for my groceries, right? So like, how do I do this? I'm going to give you four steps, right? Step one is to pray. Step one is prayer. You got to start there. As you begin to pray, pray specifically Think about people in your life that you know need what you have. When you pray, pray for them by name, first name and last name. Pray boldly, pray specifically. When you meet someone, even if they're not a close friend of yours, write their name down. If you know there's somebody that needs what you have, write their name down so you can begin to pray for them specifically. If they have needs, you can pray for their needs and their name. Pray specifically. Pray for God to open up conversations and opportunities. I I did this uh, not too long ago because I was really convicted just about sometimes as a pastor, you can get caught in the church bubble, right? We're like, you preach on Sundays, I do youth on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and and in between time, like I'm going home or I'm going to the office, right? Where I'm surrounded by people who already know Jesus. And so sometimes you get caught in this church bubble. And I was praying, I was like, God, help me break out of that. Help me meet people who aren't part of a church, who don't know you. I want to create relationships with people who are not like me, right? And just like God likes to do, as I prayed that, an opportunity popped up, right? Like that day, I was walking, I was doing my normal thing. It was a Wednesday actually, and I was going by uh, the dollar store to get a prize for a game that we were gonna play later that night. And this, uh, this lady, as I'm going to check out, is like sobbing behind the checkout counter, which is not a normal activity for somebody, right? 
And I'm just kind of standing there. I'm like, oh, this is so awkward. Like, I don't know what to do. And I just felt like God kind of pushing me. And she did her best to, like, dry her tears up and, like, come up. And I just go, ma'am, are you okay? And she then just started opening up to me and said, um, you know, a year ago today, my mom was murdered. And they just got the guy who did it. And I was just like, whoa. You know, like, that is heavy news to find out while you're at work. I would also sob while I'm at work if that happened to me. And it just opened up a conversation where I was able to speak into her life, encourage her, love on her in the middle of a family dollar. (laughs) And I prayed for her before I left, and I went and checked up on her again the following weeks. And it just opened up a relationship. Pray for those opportunities. Ask God to open your eyes. Because sometimes, if you're like me, you move from moment to moment with the blinders on. I'm trying to get in and out of Publix. I don't want to talk to you, okay? I want to get my groceries and go home. I'm tired, okay? And we can move with those blinders on. And when we begin to pray and seek God for those moments, he will take the blinders off and show us those moments where we can step in and be Jesus to somebody else. So that's step one is to pray. Step two is to write your testimony. Go home today. Don't wait another second. Go home. Get out paper and pen if you're a paper and pen person. Or if you live in 2020 like the rest of us, get on your computer and write it down. Start a Word document. Start a Pages document on your phone. Start a notes, all right? But write your testimony down. Write it down. Write down the experience that you have seen of God in your life. Write it down. Because when you write it, it makes it real. Write down, what was it like in your life before you met Jesus? When and why did you make the decision to follow Jesus? How have you seen and experienced God? What difference has he made in your life? Not what have you heard the pastor say? Not what did he do in somebody else's life? What has he done in your life? Write it down because it's important and somebody needs to hear it. Step three is to invite. And not just invite to church, like that's part of it, and we'll talk about that, but invite people into your life. Invite people into the everyday parts of your life. If you know somebody who needs Jesus, invite them in. If you're somebody who likes to golf, invite them to come golfing with you. If you're somebody who likes to play basketball, invite them to come play a pickup game. If you're going to go fishing, invite them to go fishing. If you're going to work out, invite them to come be your gym partner. Invite people into your life. What are your passions? Invite others into your world. And use the church as your ally. That's one of the reasons we exist Invite people to a Sunday morning. Invite people to experience Jesus. Show them the reason that you get up in the mornings. And be the kind of person that other people want to say yes to. As you continue to invite, continue to work on yourself and be the kind of person that others would want to say yes to. And then the last step, as you look to how do we carry out this this mission, how do I look to carry out my mission, is to think global. Think global global. Find something you care about on a global scale and get involved. Go on a missions trip, maybe with us. I'm talking with Kevin already about how we can get some actual missions trip going. Take up a cause and follow your mission into the world. Don't stop just here, but keep going. Think global. Because when we start to live out all of our purposes, when we start to go one through five, and we really start to live into the purpose of our life, it changes everything. We can be people who not just live satisfied lives now, but people who can impact eternity. I want my life to be significant and have purpose. 
and we live on mission, it gives us significance beyond what we can imagine. Think about if we were the people who started to live on mission and be mission-minded in our context, we could start to affect things that truly matter around us. People need you to live your purpose of mission. They need you to. You might be the only Jesus that somebody ever meets. You never know. Orlando would be a different place if this church together started to live on mission. And if you're here today and and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing, you never experienced it, uh, what we've been talking about, I want to personally invite you this morning to experience that for yourself. I can't speak for everybody in this room. I can only tell you what I've experienced. And here's what I know about my relationship with Jesus. Here's what I've experienced. I've experienced a joy unspeakable, a joy that wells up within me that I can't even quite describe. I've experienced a peace that goes way beyond my circumstances and way beyond my understanding. I have peace in situations where one shouldn't. I've experienced wisdom beyond my years and not because I'm super smart, but because God has given me wisdom in different situations when I needed it. I've experienced satisfaction I haven't found in anything else. And I've experienced blessing beyond my wildest dreams. And I want to challenge you this morning to come and see for yourself. Try it. What have you got to lose? Go all in. Jump with both feet and experience God for yourself this morning. And if that's you, I'm going to pray in a second, and I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray a prayer that people have been praying for years and years. And you just use my words as your own. It's your conversation with God. But if you want to experience what we're experiencing, if you want to see this for yourself, pray with me as we pray. Y'all bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Lord God, I have missed the mark. I know that that I'm missing and I need you. I need your forgiveness and I need your grace in my life. Lord, would you show me who you are? Help me to experience what it means to live a life with Jesus. I commit to following you. I believe wholeheartedly in who you are and what you can do for me. And God, for those of us who are trying to live on mission, who are trying to be people to introduce others to God, Lord, would you show us the individuals in our lives, the people that we're around, that we can begin to affect, that we can introduce to you. Lord, would you help us to see with your eyes the opportunities that we have throughout our days to talk and introduce people to Jesus? Would you give us confidence and boldness where there's fear and insecurity? Would you help us to be people who live out our purpose of mission from here on out? God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 